Quiet, please. Lost Talk Radio. Very much been looking forward to your return, 
and uh, we're very delighted to listen to you the first time on the show. So uh, I'm very happy to have you back, too. So what's been happening since the last time we spoke? Uh, good things. Yeah, good things. Um, uh, well, Husbands continues to grow at HusbandsTheSeries.com. Uh, we have all the episodes up there now, so uh, people can go there and see a complete story from beginning to end. And it's only 22 minutes of footage total, so you can like do it on your lunch break. Uh, and and so you know anyone who, people who were clamoring um, uh, that that they, that they wanted the beginning, middle, and end of a complete story, it is all up there now. And uh, just a couple of days ago, once upon a time, the show on which I'm consulting producer premiered to ridiculously huge numbers, just runaway yeah. hit numbers that you you don't normally see in, in this day and age anymore. Uh, numbers that haven't been seen in a while, and that was extremely exciting. That is uh, that is exciting, and I, and I you know I called you up and I said oh you know my DVR didn't record the show and you said hey you can watch it online right and and which I you know suspected but hadn't actually realized at that point and so I did I went and watched it online and an impressive show it is yeah. um, it's got I think it's got all the ingredients I you know I, for a really successful run it's it's uh, intriguing it's got fantasy it's got you know current time and past time and, it, and it's it's well executed. Yeah, it looks it looks like a feature. Um, you know, it's it's absolutely gorgeous, and I, I think people are going to find it very satisfying. That that you get the fun of the the fairy tale stories and the fairy tales reimagined, um, but you also get like really satisfying stories in in the town in the modern day story. Um, we're going to set up mysteries that we're going to pay off. Yeah, I, I think people are going to are going to get hooked in these people. Can you explain your 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 role behind the camera in this in this particular series and, oh, and yeah. what that I is? Think, yeah, about? I'd love to do that because I think a lot of people don't know sort of what the different jobs are in TV writing, and and right. it's a very particular job that's very specific to TV, which is consulting producer, which is a sort of it's not quite an emeritus job. It's it's a job that is generally given to a high level writer. Um, uh, but a writer who may be developing their own project and doesn't have time to be on a show in the co-executive producer position, which is usually the position that the sort of the, the highest-ranking, most experienced writer has uh, if they're not the creator of the show, um, in which case they're usually the executive producer. Uh, so normally in past shows I've been co-executive producer, uh, but I'm also developing and doing my own things like husband's. So this year I'm consulting producer, which is a job that doesn't have a fixed uh, pay grade associated with it, which allows shows to be able to afford someone who they might otherwise not be able to afford um, because you're doing it on a sort of part-time basis. So I work there three days a week, um, and you know, sit, sit, but when I'm there, I sit in the room with all the rest of the writers, and we work on all the stories together, and I'm getting to write a bunch of the episodes. So I've written episode three and episode eight, no, episode five and episode eight, and I'm currently writing episode 12. So, you know, I, by the time the season's done, I'll have written four or five episodes for it and been in the room, um, but on this sort of weirdy sort of halftime basis. Wow. Now, and when you say you write these episodes, these you're writing individually by yourself? Yeah. Or do you write with... So... The, so uh, because I know one of the things we're going to talk about a little later is what it's like to write with a partner, but these these are these are written solo then. Yes, I mean it goes through the normal process, which is that um, you know the the showrunners uh, and the staff talk about what the next episode should be, and then go through a quite detailed process, uh, which we'll be continuing today actually on episode twelve, of figuring out which exactly what scenes tell this story. So by the time the writer goes out to to write the outline, they know and and the showrunner and them have agreed on exactly which scenes uh there are in the episode and in which acts they fall. Uh so you're able to write a very detailed outline at that point and um and this is common on most US shows at uh that you go out armed with with so much information. Uh, I was interested to learn when I was writing on Torchwood last season that on UK shows that's not necessarily the case. There's a lot more left to, left in the hands of the writer when they're sent out. 
So, so to to clarify, you you meet, you have a collaborative session, mm-hmm. you get the scenes that are, you, you're going to write. They're, they're, the showrunner goes, "This is what we want," you, and then yeah. so you go off and write this detailed. Uh, is it a scene list, or you then at that point go off and write the script, the 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 show? Depends on the show. Most shows at that point have you go out and write an outline. Um, we're actually. Um, we actually have a step in between at um, at Once Upon a Time, which we also had at Battlestar, which is called the story document or a story area, which I had not previously done on shows. Um, on some shows, you just call the network and say, this is what we're doing for our next episode, okay? You'll have an outline in a week. And the network's like, yay, or, ooh, that sounds awful, and then you change it. Uh, on this show, we actually write up a little document of maybe three pages um, that's, a, that's sort of a prose telling of the story. Uh, in which I enjoy using actual like short story writing techniques to help have to help it come to life. So you've written it in prose, then you write the detailed outline. In our show, it's extremely detailed. It can be like 22 pages of of scene description and prose uh, and dialogue, only it's not formatted like a script. Uh, and then you go off and and you write the actual script. And a lot of people feel like, well, wait, if you've already decided in the room exactly what scenes are going to happen, what's going to happen in those scenes, what's left to do? And the answer is, like, everything. Because, everything else, yeah. Yeah, everything a character says, you know, you've got to figure out what order it happens in and how to lay it out on the page and what it's going to look like. And and there's a lot left to do at that stage. And so typically this process takes how long from the moment you walk in the room and you sit down and have your collaborative meeting to the to that middle step where you've turned in your your uh your pages to the going back and, and writing the story. Do you, you have a deadline for when say episode twelve is you know, or episode three is due? Yeah. So how how long does that typically take? Uh on most shows you get um you you're probably in the room for a no, anywhere between a week to could be two weeks to get the story broken. That's the, what the process is called of figuring out what all the scenes are. And then you, then you often have a week to write the outline and two weeks to write the draft. But on once, for whatever reason, this, the the network has has given us a very very demanding um, schedule. So we actually break the stories in about a week and then have just a sort of a day or two to write the outline and then. Um, a week to write the script. So, and luckily, this is an amazing staff that's able to work at that pace. And I actually feel kind of inspired by the pace because there's no there's no way to trick yourself into talking yourself out of things. Like you got to write as fast as you can, think as hard as you can, and you get some very fresh writing that way. Um, oh. You can't overthink. Wow! Wow! That's very neat. So, so. How do you, Jane, I mean, you, you're doing this and, and the web series and other things. How do you juggle all of that? I mean, how do you, how do you, how do you prioritize your day, I guess, as a, as a writer to, to be able to write on different things? I mean, are you writing all sorts of different things simultaneously? I mean, you're going from one project to the other, or, or are you able to sequence it? I try to pick a project for a day, but sometimes you have to do more than one thing in one day. I mean, obviously, you know, doing things like, like – like this don't don't this doesn't make this count as a as a husband's day for example even though I'm going to be promoting husbands, um, but uh, but if I'm sitting down and actually writing pages of dialogue I try to just do it on one project a day but it isn't always possible sometimes you are writing two different things in a day, um, and it just has to do with with which pot's going to boil over next. <laughs> okay. uh, and so the thing that often suffers is development because if you're writing which is what we call writing pilots uh, because they take the longest to boil, <laughs> um, whereas the job you go to every day, like there are, you know, the immediate crises. So it's all about learning how to balance that. Um, it, it used to be, and it has been said, and people will continue to make this argument that the difference between old Hollywood and new Hollywood, uh, what happened in the studios at one time and what's happening currently today without the studio system, is that in the studio system, not only was it a factory that you know everything was paid for and funded by the studio and projects were made, but that the the writers were the top people. I mean, even though they may may or may not have always gotten paid well, all of the writers, but 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 the but the goal of Hollywood was to find incredible writers who would write incredible stories and that truly the actors were there just in service of the stories. Those actors did become huge stars, 
but the the people that they really had the bidding wars over, or the people that they really tried to get into studios, were the writers. Um, because it seemed that the movie moguls of the studios at the time realized how important great stories were, and they wrote stories not just for, you know, the the young people who we tend to write now for, or not not that we tend to write now for, but we tend to produce for. Mm-hmm. Um, but they wrote for you know entire age groups, you know the, the young and old alike. Um, do, do you do you, do you see any accuracy in that statement? The difference between then and today is that we tend to write younger. We don't. Uh, or, or and or I should ask how are writers treated today versus the the ideal notion of what they might have been treated by like in the 30s and 40s. Yeah, I'm I'm you know I've done a lot of reading about the the system of the 30s and 40s and and before and it actually sort of all started going to hell much earlier than that I think I think uh, once the once the silent film stars became famous instead of just being the biograph girl everybody knew her name that's when it all started going wrong uh for the writers <laughs> uh-huh. uh so that's when the when the actors became such such ridiculously huge stars and the, and the silent film stars were stars to an extent we can't even imagine now like um uh when when the average family was making like a thousand dollars a year um, Mary Pickford was making fifty thousand dollars a week. You know, it's like the disparity is even huger than much huger than it is now. Um, just, just insane. So I think in you know, it, thing the more things change, the more they stay the same. Like uh, there, there has been a system of of the fact that actors are indispensable because it is their very faces uh, that is sort of built into the system and, and always will be. I think. Um, until we go to all virtual actors, I suppose, uh, and obviously they they deserve a lot. They it is their face out there. They're the one you know taking their reputation in their hands when they when they trust us and you know and we hand them a piece of work and say like no trust me you won't look like a fool. Uh, so and I love actors. So many of my friends are actors. They're amazing magnetic people. And it is a skill that not everyone has if you ever sit in a casting session. So uh, love them. What they do is amazing. But I I also think the talents of writers are sometimes overlooked because we are invisible. Um, I think science fiction shows, uh, uh, for whatever reason, our, our viewers seem to be incredibly intelligent and they value the writers. Uh, and, and that's one reason our fans are so great. Um, in terms of whether how writers are treated, in TV, actually very well. In features, I get the sense it's not so good. But in, in TV, we are still the bosses. If I, go down, if I go to a set and it's a script I've written, I can tell the director what to do, uh, and that would not happen in features. So uh, I think we're still we're on the set and in, in the world. We're given still a, a great deal of respect. Um. Yeah, and we talked a little bit about that in the last show, and I encourage people, if they haven't heard uh, Jane's first show with uh, me on, on Movie Beat, to please go back and to uh, listen to that. You can hear all the shows at com. It's the official website. They're archived right there in the interviews blog, or you can go to iTunes and get it as a podcast. Um, you know, an interesting thing, Rod Lurie and I directed recently directed Star Dogs and, and uh, other movies, Contender, and I had a conversation, because I'm of the opinion that you can... You can uh, no amount of editing is going to save a good performance, you know, or make a great performance. You can enhance one, but you could, you, you're not going to turn in a good one. And Rod disagreed with that. He said, "Oh, are you kidding?" He said, "The number of people who talk about Academy Award-winning performances are good. You know how bad that person actually was. I mean, they, that performance was totally made in editing, um, which can very well be true. And I have heard that argument before. Mm-hmm. Um, but but people generally say that no amount of of movie making magic can save a bad story." that the writing just has to be there. I think that is interesting. I think editing is part of the storytelling process. I've just recently sort of had this revelation in working on Husbands. And you can do a lot. You can fix structure in the editing room. Um, I actually wrote an episode of Battlestar Galactica that – was totally restructured in the editing room and became a much better episode than what I had written. Um, you can uh, you can fix dialogue with a whole lot of ADR. Um, you can fix story. Um, the story I always heard, I loved the show Arrested Development. 
If you look at that, so look how many lines are said over people's backs. That's because my understanding is they shot like one and a half times or two and a half times the material they actually cut into an episode. So they had so they had to cut out like whole stories from every episode. They'd figure uh-huh. out what worked best. They'd cut everything else out, and then they'd add ADR lines, um, uh, voiceover lines to bridge, um, not just lines for the narrator, but lines for the characters to bridge between the moments to co- cover what had been cut. And they ended up with these gorgeous, tightly structured episodes that were entirely made in the editing room. So I think I think. Yeah, I think you can do the writing in the editing room. And, in fact, that's what reality shows do, is they got big piles of footage, and then they figure out what kind of story they can tell with that footage, and they write it entirely through editing. Yeah, that's very fascinating. That's, that's an excellent point. Um, one of the one of the things that I often encourage filmmakers to do and try and do myself is always to shoot over the backs so that you can ADR, you know, mm-hmm. so so without having to try and you know match the mouth to the stuff. But uh, but I I guess I hadn't taken it quite as far. I mean, I knew you could, I, you know, you, we would put in new lines if you had to, but I never thought about it in as. Um, you know, like the what you said about Arrested Development and creating a completely t- much much tighter show as a result. So, I mean, that's uh, you know an excellent point that you've made there, and I appreciate that because it it uh, opens my mind up more, to even more possibilities when it comes to editing and, and reshaping things. I appreciate that. Um, oh, it's, it's amazing. I I did not realize that started early on in my days in the business, and then I started going in the editing room and going like, oh my god, look what we could do. This this look now means something totally different, and and that line just means something different. And if we take out that line and put this in, then that means she's known about this revelation from this scene onward, instead of from where we had it. Like, and that makes this sharper because, you know, and it's yeah, it's a, it's it's another kind of writing. That's very very cool. Um, so let me ask you too, because you know, there's you, you know, we were discussing the show, the similarities in writing different things. Like, you know, you, you say that once upon a time, and husbands couldn't be more different and yet the writing process tends to be the same. Can you can you can we get into this and and Yeah. I mean there are just yeah, there are just certain certain things that that my writing was gonna have in common from from show to show to show, which is that I'm gonna try to I, I write dialogue a certain way, um and and I'm looking for the real life humor. Um, you know, this not not jokey jokey um, but just what are the sorts of amusing things that people say in real life to amuse themselves or others, and and uh, and and that both shows have that, um, and uh, just the the process of trying to make people sound like people and trying to play events slightly off center, um, you know, just just finding the unusual way to do something um, is in both, and just the same the process of just sitting down and thinking and hearing the characters' voices is always going to be the same. I, it really does feel auditory. I'm certain that if you, if you hooked me up to a brain scan, you'd see all the, all the bits of the brain that, that listen to voices. I've got to be firing when I'm writing because it, it really does literally feel like I'm hearing the actor's voice. Do, and, and that's the question. I, I, uh, and I guess I, I'm trying to stop and form the question. It, when you write for... Uh, a show that hasn't been aired yet. In other words, it hasn't been cast. Do you hear the character voices in, in, in each in a different sense, in the same way you would that if you're now writing for a show that's cast, you hear the actors' character voices? I find it harder to write pilot scripts because they haven't been cast, and I have to do the dream casting thing where I go like, uh-huh. okay, I'm going to imagine that Edward James almost is playing this role. Some voice I know very, very well like that. Um, you know, and I'm trying not to write Admiral Adama. I'm trying to write Eddie. I'm trying to write, you know, how would Eddie play this role? Um, and and just literally hearing the timber of his voice in in my head helps me helps me write, even if it's a, a totally original and different character. But it's not Can as I, easy. Go ahead, what? But it's not as easy. There's nothing like going like, I know what Eddie sounds like playing Admiral Adama. Uh, there's something there's something gloriously effortless about that. Uh-huh. Now, when it comes to writing good dialogue, are there any tips or suggestions or anything that you particularly do that you can share with other people? Because I think that's one of those areas that's, for most people, is, or for myself, I mean, it just seems very 
difficult to make sure that each character is, in fact, their own person with their own way of speaking, and so that they don't all speak with the writers. Yes, oh. although I think I think that sometimes that gets overestimated um, the importance of that because the truth is that once it's cast, every actor really does have their own speaking voice. Wait. And Wait, so, delivering. Um, okay, cool. yeah. So, for instance, when when I and uh, I started writing at Buffy at the same time, a couple other writers did, and we were all writing Giles. And uh, one of the writers was sort of, you know, taking particular care to get all the British stuff right and get a sort of as much British stuff in there as they could, so that so that these lines were clearly Giles's and nowhere no one else's. And Joss said, by the way, you know. He's going to be English whether you write him English or not. <laughs> and it's like, oh, right, we don't have to use the page to tell the audience that he's English. They're going to hear it. So you sometimes I think people um, put a little overemphasis on making each voice totally distinct. They will be distinct. Um, so you don't need to make sure every character has, she's a southern belle and this one's going to talk like a pirate, you know. But you do think about where they're from and how old they are and what part of the country they're from and do little subtle things. That's all you need to do. Now, I, that compels me to ask, is that the difference between television and feature film? I mean, in other words, once you have a series and you're a series writer, um, it seems like, yes, you could do this quite easily. I mean, it makes perfect sense to me as you describe it. But for somebody who's writing a feature film or a pilot or trying to get past a reader, are there different things that, are there different tools or different techniques or different approaches that apply or or not? Yeah, it's true. If, you are, if you're an aspiring writer and you're writing, say, a spec pilot, which would have very similar rules to a feature, um, you you could indicate the dream casting in the script. There's nothing wrong with that. You can certainly say, you know, this is a he's an older man with 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 gravitas to spare. Think Edward James almost. Now you're helping the written. There's nothing wrong with that. People have all these rules about what they can and can't do in a screenplay. Nothing wrong with indicating who you're hearing in your head. Um, well. It helps the reader. Um, uh, but also, it's true you can't rely on the actor to bring the specificity to the role. Um, so you so you will have to maybe lean a little more heavily into um, indicating a voice with the words. And you are writing a script that is almost certainly going to simply be read and never produced. So you have to write it for the eyes of a viewer, um, or for the eyes of a reader, uh, not a viewer. Uh, but I would still avoid doing things like writing the character in dialect, you know, like, because that's just a pain to read. Always uh-huh, think right. about how it, how it looks on the page when you're writing a spec script. That's an excellent point. So I'm writing some Irishman. I shouldn't put at the Irish brogue and, and, and contract the words to try and make it Irish. Just write it as standard American English and, and let them imagine that there's a brogue behind it. No, not not quite that far. I would put in put in the the Irish turns of phrase. Um, okay. The Irish sense of humor, um, uh, any particular Irish words and context and all that stuff should be in there. I would just avoid loading it down with apostrophes. Don't you don't have to put the accent in exactly. Right. Put in the word choice. Awesome. All right. Well, you know what? We're actually at that halfway point where I need to take a little bit of a break, and so I will do that and then come back. And uh, this has been fascinating. You're listening to uh, Jane Spenson, and and I discuss uh, Once Upon a Time and Husbands, the web series, and uh, other shows that uh, she's written, and we'll be back in just a moment. You're listening to Rex Sykes' Movie Beat, the official web address is R-E-X-S-I-K-E-S dot com. That's my name. My next guest is going to be Andrea Shreeman and, and Gregor Collins. They're going to be on tomorrow. Uh, they have uh, written a screenplay, and uh, they're producing it, and we're going to be discussing that with them tomorrow. So uh, join us same time, same place. Tell your friends. And uh, and that is going to be the last show for a little while. I, uh, I'm going to be at AFM and AFI in, in Los Angeles uh, in uh, mid November, and uh, whether I do a remote show or not, I'm not yet certain. We'll come back after, you know, it, like close to Thanksgiving, we'll do a show, and then on in December. So it gives you an opportunity to go back and listen and catch up on shows and uh, that you might not have uh, listened to yet and go into the archives. There's over 250 shows there, and 
uh, I encourage you to listen to each and every one of them. And uh, start with the ones that intrigue you the most, but go through and listen to them because it really is, uh, you know, filmmakers talking to filmmakers, and it's it's it's, it's great stuff. So um, we're back with Jane and Spencer, and uh, Jane. I mean, um, you know what? I'd like to ask you. I'm going to ask you on the air. I, I don't want to put mm-hmm. you on the spot, but I'm going to do that and go. You know, I'd love. We're going to have the director of Husbands come, and we're going to have uh, the star and, and one of your collaborators on the show as well. But I would love to have you back. And I would like to, to to tell the listeners right now that we'll have you back at some point, you know, when it's when it's good for your schedule. But I'd like to encourage them, and I do this anyway. It's on the website, but to encourage them to write in with their questions of you. So yeah. if they have questions about the writing process, you know, about television that they specifically have, because sometimes I I don't get to all the questions in the chat room, or or they scroll by quickly. So that if if listeners right now to the live or archive show have questions, they can email me. They just use the email at the contact page of, of com, and they can email me those questions, and the next time we're on, we will devote the show to answering those questions. Does that love sound like it. Yeah, that sounds fantastic. And I love talking about husbands. Yes, well, so let's do that. Uh, I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to move too quickly off of uh, once upon a time. It is again. It's a fabulous series. It's on ABC. It's on Sunday nights. Correct? Is that? And That's so the right. Second, and the second episode is coming up, but you can see it at ABC.com and mm-hmm. at their website. And if you haven't seen it, you should go take a look at it. It, is, it really is a gorgeous new show. And uh, and again, you know, congratulations. I mean, what an opening! It opened stronger than any. A series a drama series that ABC's had in this entire season. I mean, it. it, it, it Not only that, uh, it opened uh, stronger than any drama series on any network this season. Wow! Was, wow! Yeah. Yeah. Beat, wow. beat, beat some of the big guns. Beat Terranova. Beat, I'm I'm blown away. <laughs> well, very cool. Very cool. Um, all right, so I do have a question though that I will ask in the chat room today, and mm-hmm. that is do you, before we move on to to, um, to uh, husbands, because I do want to talk about that. Um, do you have do you ever have to break yourself of self editing while you're uh, while you're writing a script? Is the question? Oh yes, very much so. I think that you know if you ask for the one single key to writing dialogue, it's don't stop. Um, even in the most literal sense, if if you type a false start uh, to a sentence, it's often good to just leave it in because people do that. Um, uh, and and when people are emotionally moved, they get less eloquent, not more eloquent. Um, there's a tendency to go into these high-flown bits of prose when, in fact, you should, the person should be stammering. Uh, so yeah, be, be sometimes being more improvisational um, is better. So don't. Don't self-edit too much. Let it, let dialogue be a little raw. Uh, uh, stage direction, it's all right to, to fuss over it. Um, I wouldn't worry too much about self-editing there. I think that's, that, that that alone, I mean, all of that was great, but the the, the thing that's very standout for me, again, is the, is the notion is that it's about human behavior and observation, that people become less eloquent the more, you know, emotionally... Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if stressed is the right word, but the, you know, the more emotionally they become, the less eloquent they become. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I can't think of whacking. I mean, you know, if I'm really yelling at somebody, I can't yeah. think that I, I'm, I'm, I'm choosing, you know, the best words ever. So right. that's, I mean, that, that's a great point, you know. But it, but it does come from knowing people and watching people and, and understanding how people operate. And I, I think that that. I would venture that good writing comes from being a good good observer or a good someone who can understand you know how or why people are motivated why they do or how they do not just why but how they do things and how they, how we do them differently you know in different times um that that, that makes a lot of sense and I think it's uh, one of the things that that distinguishes really good TV shows from really average ones is that Really good ones tend to be writing from from life, like an artist drawing from life, not just from other artwork they've seen. Um, uh, and Husbands was it was an interesting balance between the two because, in a way, we were nodding to classic TV series like I Love Lucy, and we're trying to make a very classic show that felt like it had been on the air forever, and you know, felt felt classic, felt like musty TV. Um, but in another sense, we were writing this really young, really fresh dialogue that Cheeks is a master of. 
and that really felt like like writing from life. There was a real a genuine freshness to his original script that I did not touch because it didn't feel like it had written by someone it was like it was written by someone who'd been writing T V for twenty years. It felt like someone who was writing um the way they and their friends talk. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well cool. Um so I'm going to, I guess, switch topics here because I want to make sure we get husbands in. And um, and you know, you're writing, you're, you're writing with, working with a co-writer on husbands. Is that right? Yeah, this was um, Brad Bell, who who has the persona of Cheeks, um, uh, is the star of the show and executive produced it with me and also co-wrote it with me. Uh, so this was very much our baby from the beginning, um, and. Uh, it was it came from his idea and he wrote the first draft and then i sort of went in and and you know did all the things that that is a more experienced writer you go like oh wait this conflict actually needs to go here not there uh and move some things around but but i tried to touch as little of his dialogue as possible because it was so funny um uh, beautifully written jokes um which is surprising for for a young writer who hasn't been in a in a comedy writing room before and sort of learned some of those tricks um and like I was saying, this really fresh young writing style, where it 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 really felt it felt real and um, like it was written from the example of life. I, I I was just very very impressed with it, and I had to you know talk about self editing. This was well, I guess it wasn't self editing. It was it was my me refraining from editing him. It was uh-huh. me trusting that what I was reading was as funny to me as as I. You know, would be as funny to others as I felt it was funny to me, and going like, okay, I'm not going to touch this joke. You know, as much as it's tempting as a writer, you want to get your fingers in the sand and play in the play box. But uh, it was like, no, I'm going to keep my hands off this because this is working as it is. Um, and and his insight into the world he's writing about of these these young men and young people, young actors in L.A. is just going to be so much more authentic than mine. I will be best served by keeping my fingers off of it. Wow. Well, you, I've, I've got like five or six questions I think I want to ask him all at once. Because <laughs> I, don't, I don't know that I'll remember him. But, uh, so I will. And then we'll, whatever ones we remember to answer, we will. One was um, you said that you know the more experienced writer versus the younger writer and knowing what what directions or what tips or tricks that you would use and refraining from doing that. You know, to let the young writer have his voice, or, or, uh, which is one question, I guess, whether it's race. Like, what are some of those tips and tricks? What do you mean? You know, how do you, where you, where you would take it? And I'm trying to remember exactly how you put it, but, but if you understand what the question is, that's the question. Um, We're either either talking about about how I uh, structural tips when I when I sort of reordered things, or you're asking about the what did I leave in his joke writing that was a little rawer and less. Well, well the second one, the, actually, the first one was the structural one, and the, and the, the question I hadn't yet answered yet was the, the <laughs> joke writing one because I know you talk, you know, about polishing a joke or making, you know, making, you know, uh, getting the best joke out of the material and and how that differs from from leaving a joke as it is. You know, that may be the best joke, but. Do I, right. You do understand. I have two questions yeah. here that make sense or not. <laughs> yes, they both make excellent questions. Oh, well, you're good too question. kind. Good, good questions. Um, uh, about the structural thing, um, that really is sort of tips and tricks. That's like um, you want to know what the conflict is really, really clearly at the end of the first act. In in our case, that would be our first two minute chunk of of story, which we which we broke out into two minute episodes. So okay. that the last, you know, the sort of the last next to the last actually line in that is you got married with the two of them looking at their wedding rings, and it's very obvious they got married to each other. And so you leave that episode with that as sort of the the last thing, and uh-huh. in and that just sort of tells us okay, that's our problem. Uh, it's actually even set up earlier because uh, we designed this sort of wraparound interview format for it. But um, just making sure that that is clearly set out by the end of the first chunk. Um, there's no, like, teasing that, leaving it for episode two. No, that has to be up front. Um, and then making sure that each episode has a beginning, middle, and end, which I think we succeeded in in all the episodes except maybe one of them. Episodes six and seven sort of read like a two-parter. Um 
And, uh, you know, that's a thing. Like, you know, it's not enough to just have um, introduce a new character. There has to be a conflict introduced with that character. Um, just keeping an eye on, you know, in every in every scene, are we aware of what the two characters want uh, and how those are bouncing off each other? So that's just structural stuff that when I went through Cheeks' script, I just sort of made sure that each episode was, was carrying its weight. Uh, in terms of joke writing, that's where I didn't touch it. Um, so the only example I can think of is um, is actually more of an example of me not rewriting myself, but, but, it's, but it, it illustrates the point, which is we have a joke that where a character sees a dog and says, oh, he already has a name. He looks at the tag around the dog's neck and says, Jack Russell Mix. And, and the other characters like roll their eyes because they can tell that this character actually thinks that now that that's the dog's name instead of his breed. Um, the traditional way to tell that joke would be to do it in the other order. You'd have the character see the tag, read the name out loud, Jack Russell Mix, and then say, "Wow, he already has a name," so that it's so that so that it's super clear that he's mistaking the breed for the name. Um, and but there was something I liked about sort of having it in the wrong order. It makes it a smarter joke. You have to be watching the characters to realize that even though the character saw, thought it was a name before he saw the tag, he did not, upon reading the tag, correct himself. Uh-huh. That's that's a subtler joke. And that's the kind of joke where you go like, well, I could reorder this and make it more classic joke that could have been on I Love Lucy. Um, or I can sort of leave it this way, which feels a little realer, a little fresher, and a little more observational. So... Uh, how do you get so many jokes into you know a two minute show? Uh, practice. <laughs> it's just <laughs> it's just um, uh, set it punch set it punch. Like every word should be doing should be doing work in a in a classic comedy script like a sitcom script, which this very much is. Uh, every line is either paying off a joke, setting up a joke, or both. Um, this can lead to a bit of airless writing. Uh, When I've been on sitcoms in the past, there's a thing I have observed where the script gets really, really, really funny, but it still has moments where it breathes, uh, moments that are just pure character moments. And one of the last things you do as a writer's room is you go through the script and you punch every line. And you take every line that doesn't have something humorous in it and you add something to it. And I think that can be the moment where sitcom scripts die you smother them. You, if you, you want there to be maximum funny, but but maybe not maximum funny, uh, because there is a rule that uh, if you work on a show where a character says bingo instead of yes, it's possible it's not a good comedy, <laughs> uh, <laughs> because that's that's the kind of change you make in that last pass where you're going. Is this the funniest way to say it? Look, we've got a person just saying yes here. There's nothing funny about yes. Let's make him say bingo, and I feel like that that can be that's the canary in the coal mine sometimes that that maybe uh, the script's getting a little overjoked. I see. Okay, very cool, very cool. So so there's a lot of effort that goes into polishing these jokes and making sure that they are right. How do you how do you know when you've got it? I mean, you know, you you put it out there and the audience responds. I mean, how how do you know when something's done? You go, this is it. This is the show. This is where we're at. Instinct from years and fresh eyes. Um, a thing that happens again on a on a TV sitcom is that you do these run-throughs every day. The producer run-throughs, and the the people you all start laughing. You all stop laughing about Wednesday. If you had a new script on Monday, the jokes don't seem funny anymore on Wednesday. Trust the fresh eyes. Trust the people who who are hearing it for the first time and are laughing. Or remember how you laughed at the table read on Monday, and and trust that your when your eyes were fresh, you knew that was a good joke, because uh, you could get joke exhaustion. Uh, so one of the things we did on husbands was we had a table read, even though we weren't going to be shooting it, um, you know, with a writing staff or with an audience. We did a, a a table read at someone's house, at our director's house, in which I invited really really high level comedy writers that I'd worked with in the past and had invited them to pitch jokes. So they heard it, 
they heard our jokes, and then they weighed in with like, oh, you know what you could do with this line. So we had like some of the best writers in the business helping us sharpen and refine wow. and find new joke areas. So um, the line, there's a joke in the script where um, Brady says it seems like you're, Brady says it seems like you're being a little impulsive. Cheek says being impulsive about got us both really hot husbands, and that was sort of the joke that was there. And then one of these, Tim Doyle is a very experienced comedy writer, suggested that Brady have a line that tops it, where Brady says, being impulsive also once got me a tattoo that says more more cowbell, which is a joke I just love, the more cowbell uh-huh. reference off the sure. old Planet Live sketch. Will yeah, yeah, the Will Ferrell sketch. And it's like, uh-huh. that's a really funny joke. It's funny for that character. It's funny for the uh-huh. moment. It's funnier than what we had. It adds, it tops a joke, um, which is always great because then you get, you get two punchlines in a row with no setup, um, and it was, and that's become one of my favorite lines in the whole piece. And that's because we were open to, open to hearing from other writers. So even oh, if you, is, yeah, even if you don't have access to to the town's best comedy writers, do this for your funny friends and and listen to what they have to say. Well, I think I mean that's that is that is awesome right there. And and I was going to ask you the difference between you know writing it for television and having a TV you know, show produced and how you produced the web series because you said that the web series was so much more work in some ways than, yeah. you know, than some of the TV series you worked on. Uh, but um, also, uh, uh, hold on, I, like, well, I, I want to point out first off that husbandstheseries.com is the web address that people should yeah. go to. Husbands the Series. Uh, sounds just like it's spelled, husbandstheseries.com, and you can go and you can see all those episodes up there. Um, that is also the, I think, what you pointed out is the importance of networking and developing relationships and having those relationships and nurturing those relationships and keeping them. When you said, you know, we got all these great comedy writers to come in and, and do this, I mean, that's because of you, right? I mean, right. you know, and your friends, I mean, you know, that you can bring in people like that. And I think that any filmmaker, or TV maker, or content maker should keep in mind the business side of it, the relationship side of it, because these people can contribute in ways um, to, to you and your efforts, you know, yeah. at any time. I, I think that's a, a awesome. That's that's really cool. Let me. So so you're you're writing when you write in this particular with a web series. Is it is it such that Brad writes and then you you look at it, or do you ever sit down and and and, and go, okay, let's brainstorm a new show here, a new episode, or or where you're you're throwing ideas back and forth and, and coming up with the, the format, like for season two or three or whatever. Um, it's been both. I mean, the original concept was one we came up to, uh, with together over a dinner, and uh-huh. we talked a lot then about the sorts of stories we could tell, and we talked about the um, Cheek Springs Home a Dog, which which became episode nine of of Husbands. Um, and, you know, we so we talked about the sorts of, sorts of stories that fit our show and then Cheeks went off and wrote the first draft and that sort of became our pattern that that he would write and I would look at it then that I would do a rewrite of him and he would look at it and he would pitch jokes and we sent it back and forth which is a way that many many writing teams do it which is that taking turns method um, we have not yet sat down at a keyboard together which is another way that writing teams do it uh, that we don't do um, uh, we, we, we sort of take turns but there is also collaboration, and uh, I know Cheeks has worked on, uh, has written some pages for an episode two. Should we get to do or a season two? Should we get to do it? Um, uh, and and if if we do get to do more, uh, we will probably start just jumping right back into that back and forth method because that works really well for us. That's awesome. We've got about nine minutes left, and um, um, I wanted to ask you about um, some of the people that you're working with? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and how you pick the name of the show? Yes. There was, it, it, there's, this is one of those things you're talking about working harder uh, on a web series than on, on, another, on a TV show. Uh, and because I, we realized, or I realized, Cheeks already knew this stuff, but I realized things like, oh, we have to find the website we have to pick the name for the website and husbands.com wasn't available. Okay. I guess we're husbands, the series.com. And, uh, Oh, we need, a, we need a catchphrase. We have no, 
uh, publicity department to work, you know, to come in and say, you know, here, here's the possible catchphrases for the show. You know? And so we came up with, um, they're doing it wrong, that's their right, um, which I absolutely adore. Um, but, you know, we had to come up with it on our own. Uh, it's just like people out there who are who are TV people who are interested in writing web, web series probably will relish the notion of getting to do some of those things yourself. Like, it's really in your own hands. Uh, and people who are aspiring writers who are deciding to start out by doing web series also should, like, welcome those opportunities. Because every one of those, even even just deciding, okay, it's going to be husbandstheseries.com, every one of those is a creative decision that you get to make that's not taken out of your hands. Did I lose you? I'm here in silence. I'm here. I'm here. Oh. I got I got my my uh, mic got inadvertently muted for a second there. Um, yeah, and the people that you work with. Yeah, it, I I just wanted to make sure I mentioned. You know, uh, obviously we've been talking about cheeks, but uh, Jeff Greenstein uh, was uh, a friend of mine. He was my showrunner at uh, Jake in Progress, a comedy I worked on. And uh, I suggested that he may want to direct us with, uh, or for us, or in conjunction with us. And uh, he did this amazing job. And he also directs episodes of Desperate Housewives. We were very lucky to get like a, a very experienced director who helped us make this look like a TV show. But he's he's also one of the executive producers and has sort of joined us as a, as a creative partner in this. And and just I just wanted to mention how how very lucky we are to have him and our entire great crew. Uh, uh, Emma Elizabeth Hughes was our producer. She's also working on Joss Whedon's new Shakespeare movie that the, the news broke about this week, um, as is our husband's costume designer and makeup person. Um, a lot of these people went from working on husbands to working uh, on Joss with Joss on Much Ado About Nothing. So, so an amazing, obviously an amazing group of people. Wow, wow. Now, when you conceived of this with, with Cheeks and you, and you, and you were... Um you know, throwing the idea around. How did you've now got how many episodes? Nine episodes? Eleven. All eleven, 11 episodes. episodes. Yeah. Eleven episodes. Um, did you conceive of it as separate episodes, or is it like one big chunk that you then chopped into uh, eleven episodes? How, uh, how did you, I mean, how did the, how do you how do you evolve a web series? I guess, or what what works for you is. Um, that I was. Oh, Etsy, when Cheeks and I started talking about this, I, I, I had no idea what would be best. <clears throat> but Cheeks, with his experience um, making YouTube content, knew immediately. He was like, okay, this this will be one story. Because I was originally going, like, should we tell, like, a bunch of little stories? He was like, no, this will, this will cut together to make one seamless pilot-length presentation. It will also cut into 11 Two-minute pieces, each of which will uh, will we we will make available as a separate episode. Uh, like he knew instantly how it would work when he handed me his first draft. It was in broken into these two-page scenes that became the episodes, um, and and it was like uh, that that just came out of the instincts of a person who is savvy in the medium. Um, so I didn't have to do any of the thinking about that and. In retrospect, every one of those choices was exactly right. Um, I, it's absolutely essential that it makes one story. Um, it's so much more compelling than a bunch of little ones. Uh, and and the two-minute length turns out to be perfect. Uh, that's how long a sitcom scene would normally be anyway. So it was really just a matter of, of allowing a little break between each scene and forcing each scene to have have maximum a really good joke to end the episode or a really good emotional moment to end the episode, which is what you would how you'd like it seem to end anyway. Wow. Now you are going to be making a seamless pilot out of this. Yeah, we in fact we already have we've cut together a twenty two minute version of it. We're trying to figure out how we want to make that available online because it's it has extra content. It has lines that were cut from the short episodes have been restored in the long run. So I know people are going to want to see it, and we're trying to figure out if we can get that up on iTunes or how we're going to make that available. Um, uh, but that is that is ready to go, and that is the version that it, that is being sent out right now to um, various sorts of people who might have the resources to help us make a season two. Wow. And and are there, was it, are there different challenges in making the 22-minute 
a pilot from the different short episodes? Yes, much more than I realized. We sort of, I sort of thought, oh, you just slap them all together. Well, no, because you need um, now you need establishing shots. Once it's all a seamless episode, it feels weird to sort of go from interior hotel room to interior limo. You feel like you want uh-huh. that shot of the Vegas Strip. You want to see the limo going down the street. So you've got to um, buy the stock footage of those shots. Uh, we need the exterior of Cheeks' house. Well, it looks like we shot in a in a, sort of a bungalow, but he's a but he's a Holly. We're playing him as a successful Hollywood actor, so we have to find an exterior that sort of matches what we what we need. Um, and we needed music to cover those exteriors and. Um, a longer music for a longer opening title sequence, and um, just a lot more went into it than I realized. Um, uh, and and it took us a while actually. It took we sort of thought originally that the 22 minute might be the very first thing we cut, uh, and and then cut the little episodes from that. But it turned out to be the reverse. We made all the little ones, and then we had to make this 22 minute monster, which felt felt very long uh, after we got used to the, the little episodes. And season two, is it dependent on, obviously, the resources, I mean, the finances of, of, of creating a show, or, or is it also the availability of the people involved? I mean, all those things. Yeah, everyone who was involved would want to come back, I'm sure. Um, certainly, you know, our our, our cast and, and director are, are on board with season two. It's just a matter of... Um, of yeah, the resources. So you know, uh, I, it sure it seems to me like like the series uh, deserves to exist. The public has shown that they that they love it. Our views are are fantastic. Um, I I feel that the show has demonstrated um, that it that there is a, a hunger out there for this content. So I'm hoping that there won't be won't be any uh, hitches in terms of of getting getting the resources we need. Oh, well, more power to you. Jane, I know you have to run, and we're really at that point where we can say goodbye, but I do want to remind people that it's husbandtheseries.com, uh, and they can go in and watch all 11 episodes right there. And also abc.com has uh, Once Upon a Time, so if they didn't see that, they can see it. And you're busy with so many things. Um, you know, that, that they could uh, I mean, they can go back and look at Buffy and Angel and there's so much your body of work is out there and uh, and so that's awesome you're on Twitter it's uh, your name at Twitter right at Jane that's right at Jane Espenson on Twitter and um, and then um, is there anything else any other website or any other information you want to provide before Facebook or anything like that that you want to Uh, yeah there is at Team Husbands is the official team Twitter um, there is a Husbands Facebook page you can get all the information about it at uh, at the main website at HusbandsTheSeries.com uh, and check us out and if you if you the episodes are also available you can go directly to YouTube if you search for like uh husband's one or husband's eleven you know you can find the individual episodes on youtube and i I like it sometimes when people watch on YouTube because then they can leave comments and I always go there and read the comments so uh you know check us out and through through a variety of of media. That is fantastic. So I'm going to let you go, but we're going to let you go with the idea that you're going to be coming back and that the yeah. viewers can also send in email questions through uh, rexsykes.com at the contact page. And uh, and then you and I will schedule and we'll let them know when, when you're going to come back. And I appreciate it so much that you were here. You're a fabulous source of information and fabulous guest. I, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Rex. Until next time. Our, enjoy your day. Thank you. Until next time, Rex. Bye-bye. Oh, uh, thanks to my fascinating guest, Ms. Jane Spenson, and uh, and to you, my readers and and listeners, for joining us here on Movie Beat today. Hey, you know, she said go to YouTube and watch the series and leave comments, and that is one thing that you can really do to help out filmmakers everywhere. If they've got their film on YouTube, uh, or my shows are on uh, Blog Talk, you can leave comments right there at the player window. And uh, and you can rate review shows at iTunes. So we, that's what we ask you to do. Go and visit Jane and and watch uh, Husbands the series and leave comments. Please do leave comments about this show and every show you listen to live or archived. It was some with some browsers you have to wait until the player 
is done playing, and then the comment window becomes visible. In other cases, the comment window is visible beneath the player during the entire show. You can leave comments anytime. But please, before you leave today, if you're in the chat room, go ahead and leave a comment at the player. If you're listening to this as a podcast, please rate and review the show. And uh, and do continue to spread the word, share share. Uh, this information, these URLs, these podcasts with your friends, your industry connections. Help me get the word out there about Rex Sykes Movie Beat to everybody. Um, you know, this show has an international audience of, of a uh, listener, a, a, a list listeners, as well as newbies and uh, people who are just picking up their cameras and everyone in between, as well as fans all around the world. And I'm always delighted and surprised when I hear from them. But I also run into people who've never heard of the show, and I want them to become aware of it without me having to tell them. And the way that happens is for you guys to help me out with that. And I appreciate it when you do. Tweeting live is a great thing, or putting it up on your Facebook wall or somewhere uh, that uh, people who you know, aren't already familiar with me, find it. It's a fantastic thing to do, and I appreciate it. And I'm glad you're here today. we got so many cool people in the chat room and listeners whose names I do not know. Um, keep sharing the website and these interviews with all your friends and contacts. That's what I'll finish saying there. You can become a member or a friend of Rex Ike's Movie Beat at my friends page on uh, Facebook. Click the like page there and, and join us. And if you're a filmmaker, keep in mind that you can post your cast and crew information. You can post your premieres and screening information right there at Rex Ike's Movie Beat Friends on Facebook. Uh, you know, if you've got stuff on YouTube or stuff that you're screening and, and things, that is a group collaborative page um, where I post announcements, but it's my friends. So go ahead, become a friend and, and utilize it to uh, all of our advantage when we know more about what's happening in the film world. It, it benefits us all. Um, you can follow me on Twitter. It's Rex Sykes Movie Beat. That last word is abbreviated. It's BT. Rex Sykes Movie BT. On YouTube, it's Rex Sykes Movie Beat spelled all out. Okay, that's my channel on YouTube. All right, everybody, excuse me, have a fabulous day. Remember, my guests tomorrow are Andrea Schreeman and Gregor Collins. Uh, they're producing their new movie, so please tune in and join us tomorrow, both listening and in the chat room. Make your movies, complete your projects, and until we meet the next time, everybody, that is a wrap. <laughs>